near-death experience podcast, an ongoing exploration of spiritually transformative experiences, including NDEs and other phenomena, in order to elucidate the ineffable and better understand our spirituality. All episodes are available at ndepodcast.org. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and guests are not necessarily those of NDE Podcast, the NDERF, any sponsors, or for that matter, anyone else. In the end, the only opinion that really matters is yours. Near-Death Experience Podcast, item number 274, January 31st, 2020. Lynn K. Russell, The Wonder of You, What the Near-Death Experience Tells You About Yourself. Welcome to Near-Death Experience Podcast, the official podcast of the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation. I'm your host, John Messer. My guest today is Lynn K. Russell. Lynn is the author of The Wonder of You, What the Near-Death Experience Tells You About Yourself. Lynn became an expert on near-death experiences when she researched 2,500 NDE cases for Dr. Jeffrey Long at Near-Death Experience Research Foundation. She has continued her research of STEs. Additionally, She has a keen interest in quantum theory, cosmology, the brain, and consciousness. Lynn raised her family as a single mother and spent many years as a family counselor. She currently lives in Lethbridge, Alberta, Canada. I spoke with Lynn via cell phone, so the audio quality of this episode is a bit different from my typical interviews. Her contact information along with links to purchase her book, can be found in the show notes on the ndepodcast.org website. Lynn Russell, welcome to Near-Death Experience Podcast. Thank you. It's good to be here. You had the opportunity to ruminate over 2,500 NDEs on the org website. And so you have probably a better opportunity than most of us to ponder on the kind of questions that most of us ask at some point in our lives. And I loved right at the beginning of the book, you were just asking the same kind of questions that I'm doing this for. What is life? Why are we here? What are we supposed to do in this physical existence? Uh, The answers to these questions have been offered through numerous religions that have been handed down to us. Uh, and as you say in your book, and I'll quote you, much of that wisdom has been pasteurized to the point of being unrecognizable. So Lynn, I personally feel that this is the reason why many of us, not just end of years, but many of us today are saying we're more spiritual than religious. End of years mm-hmm. might just be providing us a way for us to personally understand the big picture of a creator, our spirituality, what lies ahead. And with your research and all these NDEs, I'm looking forward to what you got to say. So let's start with just the beginning. Uh, your early childhood, what kind of uh, religion were you raised in or your spirituality? 
uh, I was raised by atheists. My mother was an atheist, and my father just ignored religion <laughs> or anything to do with it. Um, so I didn't have any spiritual training at all as a child. Um, what did happen was that I, for some reason, oh, I, my grandfather died when I was a little girl, about eight or nine. And um, so that I, I never missed him because he wasn't a very close, warm, fuzzy kind of guy. But that made me realize that everybody dies, that death is an automatic. And it really terrified me. So I fretted about that for quite a while. And then eventually I went to my mother and asked her, well, what happens after you die? And she said, nothing, you just disappear. <laughs> and uh, that just terrified me. So from that time on, I became a very spiritual person from the point of view that I started searching to find out what did happen after one died. And that's, that was where the beginning. And in your book, you note that being raised in a Judeo-Christian country, certainly you got exposed to that. But then later in your life, you kind of explored into other offshoots like uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, Church yes. of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, even yes. Buddhism. And yes. what did you find as you explored these? Well, I think, I think people are searching for the answers to these deeper questions. And when I was doing the research, that's exactly what I was after, was the deeper answers that uh, not so much what happened, but where to from here kind of thing. And um, so that was most important of my experience, or at least my research. Uh, what I found in my research as a teenager was that um, people seemed to be very frightened and didn't know where they were going and wanted to have answers. And I didn't want to build my own philosophy on the basis of fear. So even though I was frightened about dying, uh, so I didn't take that, take that too far. But I did, I did keep looking and I didn't stop. I, I, I still, if I hear about a new philosophy, I'm right there wanting to know what, what it's all about. So I did, I've never stopped learning. Now, you have never had a near-death experience, but in your book, you describe three other spiritually transformative experiences, out-of-body experiences, that profoundly changed your life and ultimately yes. led to you studying NDEs and writing your book. So tell us about your ODEs. Well, what, it was three different experiences on three different separate days. They were very short, about a minute long <clears throat> or so around there. And, uh, but they were connected when I put them all together. The first one, I was, uh, I was doing dishes in the kitchen and really was not thinking about anything. I don't even know what I was thinking about, but I was looking out the window above the sink and there was a tree out there. And all of a sudden, I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden I became the tree. I was the tree. I was the grass. I was the bird in the tree. Everything. I was every kind of life form that I thought of. I became it. And I had heard this because, as I said, I never stopped learning. So I had heard about cosmic consciousness. I thought that's what it was. And um, so I, I sort of thought, oh, that's cool. 
But I did, it lasted only a matter of minutes, like a, not even a minute, I think seconds. Um, but it was a beautiful experience and this deep, deep feeling of connected to everything. I didn't understand it at all. It was just an experience. Oh, that's interesting kind of thing. Um, a few days later, I was, it was a lunchtime or after lunch, I should say, and my kids were all gone. And, uh, I'm wiping fingerprints off the hall wall. And all of a sudden, I wasn't looking at the wall. I was seeing this atom. I was seeing an atom with the electrons floating around the outside. And then that expanded to, our solar system with the sun and the planets going around. And then that expanded to a galaxy and then sister galaxies or whatever they're called, clusters. And so all this cluster of, of galaxies. So it seemed like all the way through, um, I was going from the micro to the macro universe. But within all of that, there was this message of this is, didn't just happen by accident that there was order and planning behind all of this. And uh, and then I heard words, and the words were very clear in my, in my head um, and actually frightened me. The words said, um, oh, wait a minute, your, your being is connected to the operation of the universe. And that was very frightened, frightening for me at that time because... I thought it meant I had to do something special and I was terrified I was going to mess it up. <clears throat> so that wasn't, I wasn't too excited about that. Um, but that was the end of that experience. And then again, days went by and now I'm in my living room and I'm picking up after the kids toys and um, the room is suddenly filled with this presence. Now, I didn't see anything. All I saw was my living room, but I could feel this very strong love, love more than I can ever ex describe it, just filled me right up. It was like a huge blanket of this wonderful love around me. And, and I felt as if I was connected to it wherever it was, because I couldn't see it, but I could feel that somehow like an umbilical cord was connecting me to this this being, this existence. And uh, then I heard clear, loud words in my ear from outside, like external, external. And the words said, this is where you came from and this is where you will return. And because of all that loss, I thought, wow, it, you know, um, if that's what's going to happen, when, when not in the mind fear. Um, and then some changes happened with me as a result of that. I used to bite my nails down way, way down. Like I, the, I when I ran out of nails, uh, then I chewed on my cuticles. I just, my nails were a real mess. And um, I, one day I looked down after this experience and I didn't have, I had nails. All of a sudden, there I had nails. And that, that I had stopped biting them. And I didn't know that I had stopped. I hadn't noticed that. But that was one of the results. And the other result, of course, was that um, I was flying three feet off the ground for months and months, <laughs> which was wonderful. I enjoyed that. And, of course, my fear of death was not so much anymore.
So do you think you were biting your nails partly because of your concern about death and, and that kind of anxiety? And then when you got this sensation of, I'm not going to die and I'm going to be in a really beautiful, loving place, if that took care of that? No, I don't think so. I think I I stopped biting my nails because, well, I don't know why I stopped other than, other than the fact that I had this experience. And I somehow, I know that I have read that people who have what they call STE, which is significant transformative experiences. People who have had those kind of experiences do find out later that they have something about themselves that's changed or, or different that's better, you know, so that like smokers will stop smoking and, and drinkers will stop drinking, for example. So I stopped biting my nails. But I think I bought my, bit my nails because I wasn't I was raised in a pretty rough home and I did, it was just, I bit my nails all the way through my life. Now let's talk about, you, you get involved with the near death experience research foundation. Mm-hmm. And I want to, I want to probe into how that came about, but first tell us what you can about their website, how they collect data about near death experiences, how you got involved with Dr. Jeffrey Long and the NDRF. Uh, and then we'll get into, um, how you collected your data. So tell us about that organization, what they do, and then lead into how you discovered it and got involved with them. Okay. Well, NDERF is, um, stands for Near Death Experience Research Foundation, and they are an organization where people will send them the write out their, um, near death experience and, um, and then send it to them. And along with telling them about their experience, they have to, they're asked to fill out this enormous, very detailed questionnaire about just about every aspect of the death experience and what could happen and what did happen to them, that person, because no two death experiences are alike. And so did this person have this or this or this happen? So there's, it's a very huge questionnaire that they had to fill out. And that's, that's primarily what they were doing was to try and collect enough um, stories or experiences that they could use that for the research for Dr. Long's book, um, Evidence of the Afterlife. And so that was the, that was the beginning of, of uh, NDERF. And then I became involved because I wanted to write a book about um, a woman who was astroprojecting or going out of her body, out of body experiences. And so I didn't have a lot of knowledge about what what one could or could not do under those circumstances. So I wanted to research for this book. And um, when I went online, I ran across NDRF. They they had a a portion of their site that was dedicated to OBEs, out-of-body experiences. So then I went there while I got hooked. (laughs) And I just loved reading all these stories. And I also loved chatting with the people and got on the chat line and really enjoyed it there very much. And then Dr. Long asked, would anybody volunteer to do research? And I said, yes, I couldn't wait. I had just retired. And so here I had all this time on my shoulders and that was wonderful. So I was able to do that. So that was how I got started into it. 
and your research consisted of reading the near-death experiences and then compiling and, data, similarities, differences? Yeah, yeah. I would tear apart the, um, the questionnaire. I would read their experiences, and some of them were just beautiful. And, and really filled me up. Um, and so I would re read these experiences and then I would look at the questionnaire and tear it apart. How many people did this and how many people had that? And how many people went to the tunnel, for example? How many people went to avoid? How many people um, saw a light? All of those kind of things. So that's what I did. I compiled um, and separated this all out. As spiritual beings, I think we're naturally drawn to this kind of information about our spirituality. NDEs, STEs, they can give us insight. But yes. as you note in your book, there can be misinformation and confusion in the reports. Yeah. And so you set out in your second edition of your book to kind of right. clarify those misconceptions. Yes. Uh, the wonder of you, what the near-death experience tells you about yourself. You say in The Wonder Review that no two death experiences are alike because we each take an active role in creating our own near-death experience. So That's right. Let's talk about the differences. What, what kind of influences do you think uh, help us form our NDs? Cultural differences or what? Well, culture definitely has a role. It plays a big role because... Um, if you read people from this culture, from the Western culture, they will have one kind of experience and people who are from Eastern cultures will have a completely different kind of death experience. Uh, so culture does have a role, but people do have experiences that are quite different from their the spirituality that they've been taught, for example, Christians can have non-Christian experiences. And people who have been taught in Judaism or something like that can have Christian experiences. So it, 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 there isn't a rule to, to follow that, but they do, um, they do overlap. And um, so some people will leave their body and go through a tunnel. Other people will fly, find themselves out in outer space looking down at the earth and being amongst the stars, and still others will find themselves in a void um, and, and wonder what's going on because there's literally nothing, just blackness around them. <clears throat> and so those are, the, those are just a few of the kind of departures that happen. There are a number of them, but those are just three. Um, so I think I, I've often told people, because I'm pretty new in explaining this stuff myself, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and I often tell people that, uh, let's say, for example, if you were Christian, you're probably not going to see Buddha. Uh, if you were a Native American who lived 500 years ago, you're probably not going to see Christ. You're going to probably see the spirit God that you believed in. That's right. That, that's right. Now you're saying well, that doesn't necessarily it, hold it, true, though. No, it doesn't. Um, it, most often, it is true. Okay, but not necessarily. There are NDEs on the NDERF's website that were one lady. I and I wish I could think of her name. I think it's Penny. I think that's what her name is. But anyway, she was a devout Christian and and experienced, um, thought that she would, when she died, that she would have a, 
Christian experience, but her experience was completely nothing like that. And so when she came back, she said, this was nothing like what I was experiencing, you know, what I learned. So not, it isn't automatic that you have an experience that is based on the religion that you were raised in. Um, but it is more common. And she had a pleasant experience. It just didn't have any religious icons. I'm not sure about, I would have to reread her story. I just remember how shocked she was after her experience that this was nothing like what she'd been taught. Um, I think one of the things that blows people away, including Christians, is that there's no judgment. When they get to the other side, they are wrapped in love no matter what their experience is. And so, um, and that, that also, not necessarily when they're in the state of hell, but once they ask to get out of hell, they're, they're out of hell right away, and they're wrapped up in love. And that's, that's with almost everybody, that they're just this overwhelming amount of love, which I'm sure that everybody has read about. This is amazingly congruent to what uh, Deborah Diamond brings through in her Diary of, a, Diary of a Death doula book, which she discussed with me in our episode number 267, that depending, and she actually was there at the bedside when the people would pass, not even a near-death experience, right. they would actually right. transition. And because she's also a psychic medium, she could telepathically talk with the person dying and also spirits and loved ones on the other side. And she could see the visions that they were having. And if uh, the one gentleman was very Christian and he was saying, this is everything the Bible promised me. Another gentleman was not religious at all, but he was just having a very pleasant, beautiful countryside uh, vista, that kind of thing. Very mm -hmm. congruent with what you're getting out of the NDEs. Mm -hmm. and, and actually there have been people who are non-religious non at all. They're not right atheists, but they're, they're not mm -hmm. religious. And they've seen seen Jesus. Do you read or study any other sources to gain insight into the afterlife? What else do you, uh, what else do you study and read to learn about this? Okay, um, well, I have read, um, well, I've read numerous um, spiritual books, of course, as I've said, but uh, I've also read about the, um, what happens at the point of death, you know, the woman that you just talked about, uh, that, that I've read about that kind of thing. I haven't read copious amounts, but I have read about it. Um, I've also read a lot about spirituality and uh, science and, and how they are connecting with one another. And there's more and more people that are seeing that, that science does have a very close connection with spirituality. People who are very... Um, Strong scientists, you know, then steeped into their thinking, don't like this, <laughs> but it's, it's happening. <laughs> in your book, you talk about some science that you didn't put in your first edition, and I know you make it easy peasy, and you don't want people to get lost in the science, so what do you have to say about the science you put in the book? I was a skeptic. I was a big skeptic on some of this stuff because uh, there was just so much information out there that didn't have any basis that I didn't believe it. And so I had to go through science, and I, I already was very interested in science. So I had to go through science and prove it to myself. I found that 
it it talks about the science talks about our reality. And in my book, I have all kinds of different points that I bring out, and all of those put together bring us to the understanding of consciousness and our reality as soul and spirit. Let's talk about some other phenomena that gets reported from end years, especially time. In your book, you note Hafar's near-death experience which is phenomenal to read on the NDERF website. She says, and I'll quote her, death is a metamorphosis of time. One more illusion from our mental concepts. Essentially, time does not exist, nor does space. They are illusions of our creative mind that plays a game of self-deception in the creation of events. In Jim Burton's NDE, which Chaz covered in episode 145, Jim Burton says, he was told by whom he believed to be God that he was in the in-between, the in-between of everything, the impossible now between the past and the future. Albert Einstein said time and space are modes by which we think and not conditions in which we live. The distinction between the past, present, and future is only a stubbornly persistent illusion. Let's That's talk right. about time. Well, actually, I can tell you something a little deeper than that. It's right. It's true that time is a tool that we use to give order to our lives. And I always thought that was where it stopped. But I had a, a, a one of those aha moments um, where I realized that Because time does not exist on the other side, nothing happens. You have to have time for activity to to have experience activity. And so, um, because it would only be the constant now, which is, of course, what we have now. There's no future. There's no past. All of that is, is illusion. And it's true. The only time that it actually exists here is nanosecond now. And but we need the illusion of time to be able to have um, movement and growth and and understanding and 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 all the experiences that we have. And through our experiences, we get back to the source because we're connected to the source. And so our experiences feed back to the source and offer a, a new way of seeing because the source does not know time without us. And yet when people are there, and I understand it's very hard for them to describe what's there because it's so different. They will yeah. nonetheless say I was here and then I was there, or yeah. I, went, I was in this place and then I was in a different place. So they seem to describe time and space. One lady, uh, and I don't remember what experience was that I read it, or heard it, she said the best she could describe it was, if you're standing in front of a tapestry, you can see all the pictures in the tapestry yeah. at the same time. Yes. yes. And then if you look behind the tapestry, you see how all the strings connect to all the other strings and it's all one. Okay. We are soul. We are soul having a spiritual, or I'm being sorry, a human experience or a physical experience. And as soul, we are creators because we are one with the source. And so we also create. But 
we create right now in this life, we're creating the life that we are living, each one of us. When we pass from here, we continue to create. We don't stop creating because we've died. We just continue. It's just, you know, I don't know if I'm making myself clear, but we, we never stop creating. As you and I and all the souls here never stop creating, we continuously create. So the fact that we're on the other side means that we still create. And the fact that people will bring, <clears throat> excuse me, um, a physical body with them and have physical body experiences, hugging their, their loved ones and eating and reading and drinking, all those, and they go to a physical garden and they see a beautiful buildings. All of those are physical things. All of those are our creations. We create that ourselves. And it's only when we become, completely become one with the light and, and, and completely absorb ourselves into the light that we stop creating and become. Well, we're creating still, but now we're creating as the source. As a matter, as a as opposed to creating as an individual, or so the we're co-creating with each other. <clears throat> well, yes, we are, but there's only one creator and there's only one source, and really, that's the bottom line: is that there really is only oneness, and we are part of that oneness, and so we're co-creating, but the one source is actually doing the creating, and we're just part of that so does this kind of explain how some people will see themselves as a light over there or as a mm -hmm. spirit and others will say they still had a physical body yes. Chad yes. has covered um howard storm yes. the nde in yes. episode number 90 mr storm says that evil spirits were ripping his flesh off of it yes 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 that's that's true and and people often have that that sensation of being ripped apart by evil beings but uh, yes that's our creation we continue to create people who have had um hellish kind of experiences are repeatedly told that they created that themselves that's there is no hell that this is their own individual creation in Father Nathan Castle's uh, book, he talks about how spirits come to him in his sleep, and he gets together with a prayer partner, and they help them cross over. And these spirits have chosen to isolate themselves there because mm -hmm. they were ashamed or uh, embarrassed or angry when mm -hmm. they crossed mm -hmm. over. What mm -hmm. do you see as far as people's psyche coming with them to the other side? Yeah, that I think that's so sad because we are part of the light. We are the light, and uh, and and so it's true that there are some who just have don't believe that they belong there, that they they aren't worthy um, to to be a part of the light, and so they they get stuck, and that's very sad. I think because that they can't go back to their home, their their real home. You know, they have to linger in this this thing that they created for themselves, which is so sad. And we still have free will once we cross over. So you can that's choose right. to isolate yourself in that manner. Yeah, that's right. Free will doesn't ever end. We had free will before. 
now, this minute, we have free will. It, here, the difference is that other things interfere with our free will, other people's choices and, and those kind of things. Um, you know, times, time interferes and, and events interfere. But basically, um, we always have free will. We, we have huge amounts of free will. And so, yes, free will does take a part of what we are creating at any time now or or after like i said we we're creating now and we don't stop creating when we leave we just continue to create uh in his book dr father castle says uh that you can isolate yourself but there is one entity that will never leave you because they are an assignment from god and that is your guardian angel can you Mm. tell us about guardian angels or spirit guides that are with us Yes, I do think we have we have spirit guides here uh, because I think the source knows how difficult it is for us to be here and separated away from our home, our spiritual home. And so I I think that we we do have um, spirit guides that are with us that are guiding us, and it's up to us to hear them. Um, my my spirit guide will frequently give me suggestions, no, I don't think that's a good idea, or why don't you? And I I have to decide whether that's coming from a source or whether that's coming from my own brain, because we don't know the difference. It feels the same. And so I have often not done it and said, oh, shit, I should have done that. <laughs> so I think that's a human experience. Um, but yes, uh, the, our spirit guides are there to help us. I actually think that that uh, my spirit guide um, has saved me from very close calls of death and on many occasions. So yeah, I think that's it depends on what goal we've set for ourselves and whether it's com- completed or not, whether we're going to leave. We're talking with Lynn Russell, the author of The Wonder of You, what the near-death experience tells you about yourself. Her second edition of this book is set to release on February 1st, 2020. Many people who have NDEs uh, recall encountering a stopping point where they're told, it's not your time, you can't go any further, you have to go back. Sometimes these are pearly gates or stairways or or Mm -hmm. water. Mm -hmm. What can you tell us about the various kind of edges that people encounter? Yeah, yeah, and 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 that goes back to uh, we come here with the goal of what we want to accomplish, and if we haven't completed our goal, then we're not going to be able to complete. It. We won't be able to stay there. And every single person that I know of, and that's like a lot of that's several thousand um, that I've read, all get sent back because they're not finished their goal. And um, so they have more left to do. And so they, they, we can't go there and stay there. And so some people, now part of that, I think we do to ourselves as well. I think we tell ourselves that we're not finished. We know we're not finished. There are some people who are dead and say, oh, wait a minute, I know I can't stay here. I've got things to do still. And so they don't have to be told to come back. They know that they have to come back. And so those people, when they come to the other side, they know that it's deep down inside, they know that this isn't time, this isn't right. And so they'll stop themselves and put a block up. 
contracts, sometimes NDEers will specifically say they were told to come back because it was not just it wasn't their time, but they haven't completed what they contracted to do when they were going to incarnate. Tell us about contracts with the creator. Sure. Um, when the soul decides to become an individual physical being, before it comes here, it decides a, a goal. that It sets before itself a goal. Now, this goal is almost, well, it is always, um, for the betterment of the world. And sometimes we can't see it. It's like, why would that matter? But it's for the betterment of the whole world. And so we, we choose not only our goal, but then we choose all the things that help us to accomplish that goal. And so it'll be a task or a job or whatever. And so it'll be things like um, we choose uh, people that are going to be in our lives. That doesn't mean we choose every single person we ever see. We choose the main people that are going to be playing a significant role in our being able to accomplish our goal. We also um, choose events that are happening in our lives. We're choosing events, but not every event that we've seen. It, it's not every single thing that ever happens to us. Um, we choose the significant ones that are going to guide us in the direction of our goal. And another thing is that we choose um, ourselves. We choose whether we've got disabilities, what race we're going to be in, what nationality, what country, um, all kinds of different, and what intelligence. Do we have a disability or not? All kinds of things we, we choose about ourselves, but always it is with the goal of accomplishing what we've come here to do. And when we come here, we are, that's, that's almost the only thing that really is written in blood. We have to do that. And if we don't do it, we have to keep coming back until we do it. And when you describe it that way of something that's going to be significant for the world, it doesn't always mean you ran for office and led a country. It could mean that you raised a family and that's right. brought those children up correctly and got yeah. them on their missions. Exactly. And actually, that's what I said. There's, it, it may be something very small, and you'll say, well, I would have done that anyway. You know, um, I, I actually had um, another experience. I don't think I have it in this book, but the experience was that I was... I was working in my, at my office, and I was a family counselor in these days. And so I was writing a report on one of my families that I'd been working with, and um, I heard this voice very clear in my, in my head. It said, I want to use you. That, I, I jumped out of my chair. I looked around. There was nobody around. I looked out the hall to make sure that there was nobody out there, and I, there was nobody. So I'm alone, and I've heard this voice. It terrified me absolutely terrified me. I didn't want to have anything to do with it. Um, the voice was obvious, you know, it, it, it wasn't me, but where did this come from? I didn't have any idea, but it really was frightening because I was afraid that I was expected to do something that was beyond my abilities. And the other thing was that I thought, why me? Why not a good Christian or a good 
spiritual person or someone who knows all about this kind of stuff. <laughs> so I I did nothing. I closed the shirt, the door down, and then I I did ask a few psychics if they knew what I was supposed to do, but I wouldn't I wouldn't say I agree. I just held up this wall and said no. Um, until years later, now years, four four years later, I'm. Um, in a restaurant with my daughter and one of her friends, and I'm listening to them being silly teenagers, and this voice comes back, and it says, I still want to use you, you know. <laughs> and now, was I, this a male voice or a soft it was voice? A, or? It, it, was, it was a male voice. Well, I think it was. You know, it was one of those neutral, it could have been male and it could have been female, actually, like a little female voice. But but um, I think it was male. My my interpretation would be male. Anyway, it said, I still want to use you, you know. So I said, uh, I, I didn't have anything left. I was burnt, burnt to a crisp. Not, um, not just job, but my house had been on fire and I'd had some other personal issues that had happened and I was just, I was wiped and I didn't have anything left to give. And I said that. I said, okay, fine, but I have nothing left to give. And the voice came back and said, don't worry, I'm preparing you now. And that was the end. And I've never heard anything more. But I think that experience had to happen for me to get on the track of where I am. Wow, amazing. No, that was not in your book. No. <laughs> well, I think I'm a little bit embarrassed about it because I don't want people to think that I'm saying, wow, look at me kind of thing, you know, but but it, it was a fascinating experience and obviously it guided me to, to where I am. Um, when talking about free will and coming here to do what we've contracted to do, some people commit suicide. And in your book, you talk about three options for right. people who commit suicide. Can you elaborate on that? Oh, sure. Uh, well, um, I need to first of all say that this doesn't happen to everyone. There are exceptions, but then there's exceptions with everything, like when it comes to death experiences and individuals. Um, but generally what happens is that the individual, when they commit suicide, that is something that we don't have an option for. And they're told very clearly that this is not an option, that they shouldn't be doing that. And so um, what happens is that they don't get out of whatever it is that they're trying to get away from. and. They'll be given three options. They can stay at the at the spirit level, but they have to relive over and over and over the event that brought them to suicide. Um, and they have to choose another way that they would have dealt with it without suicide. That's the first one. The second one is, I should also mention that the first one should have been um, that when the person body is still functioning and they they um are in you know their 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 body is still working they haven't jumped off a bridge or something then they will be sent back more people are sent back than not because they just aren't finished yet 
So then the option, the second option is to stay there and redo it and redo it until they come up with a different solution to their issues. And the third option is to be reborn again and come back into another life, but they have to have the exact same issues. They must work out whatever the issue is that they were trying to avoid. They have to work it out without suicide. Chaz loved your book too, and he asked me to ask you about music in the spirit realm, sounds, and how they're different in the afterlife. What can you tell us about that? Yes, uh, people frequently hear beautiful music when they when they pass over, um, and the music is so magnificent that they will um, they 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 just have never heard anything like it here. Some people had no talent here. They've never played a musical instrument in their life, and they will come back with great talent. And so then they're able to write or to play the music that they've heard on the other side. And that's, that's very beautiful. And, but the music that is on the other side is, um, it's our music. It's, we create it because everything on the other side we create. So, it's our music that we're creating, and it's a beautiful. It's it's people just are in awe of the beauty of the music. So in that respect, Chaz is already doing that on this side. His music yeah. is incredible. Yeah. Now, one of the things I try and accomplish by listening to people's NDEs and their STEs is to gain a, a greater understanding about the big picture of our existence. You know. Uh, how to share that understanding with the people who listen. But it, the one concept that is probably the greatest epiphany that one can achieve, but also probably the most difficult for us to conceptualize mm-hmm. while we're incarnated mm-hmm. in this world mm-hmm. of duality, that's oneness. So how are we separate but one? Uh, I, it, our separation is an illusion. This this world we exist in is a dream that we are dreaming as source. And there is only source. That's all there is. There's never been anything else and there never will be anything else. We are we are it. Um but we have chosen to have this dream so that we can provide ourselves with uh, be our, our spiritual self with another way of seeing and learning and growing and being. And that's why I get excited about uh, science is that science is showing us. The science today is taking us to a place that is extremely spiritual and talks about our consciousness as being a part of the universe and that our consciousness is connected to the source at the same time. I mean, it's just absolutely mind-boggling. And that's, that's why I had to put it in my book this time. My first uh, edition didn't have any of this in it, but uh, I just thought it was so marvelous. We're talking with Lynn Russell, the author of The Wonder of You, what the near-death experience tells you about yourself. Lynn, I want to talk about the bottom line of it all, and that is love. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, in Bobby's uh, near-death experience, which you talked about in, in The Wonder of You, mm-hmm. uh, Bobby says, 
the love she experienced was greater than the tether that binds the soul to the source. <laughs> that's amazing. That's a, yeah. an amazing statement right there. So yeah. talk about the unconditional love. How can you explain it? Because everyone says it's like no love here. What can you describe it as? God is love. We've been hearing that for centuries or for a very, very long time, that God is love. Well, the source is love. That's the basis of the source. And we are love because, A, we are the source, but B, we are created through source power, through the love power of the, of the source. We are love power. We're operating in this existence, and because we have free will, we decide how things are going to be. So imagine that here we are, love. The love is our, our reality. That is our reality. We are love because we are source, and there's no other way. Why is it so hidden from us? I mean, some of us have to meditate to get to that point or have an NDE. I, I think yeah, I experienced yeah. something that you described in your OB when I was in a samadhi tank in the 80s. Why is it so cryptic from us? Well, I think because we've been given emotions, because we've been, we have amnesia of our reality, and we have to work to grow back to our source. And in the process of working to get back to the source, we are giving to the source all the knowledge and, and experiences that we have along the way. Well said. Some people have communicated to me that they have a fear of death. You said you used to have a fear of death. And based on your research, your personal experiences, what would you say to those people who have such concerns? Uh, I don't know that anybody else can take over and tell you not to be frightened because it's it's so difficult. But I can tell you that after reading thousands, I can't believe that 2,500 people would be telling stories. Um, it has to be. There has to be. There are millions and millions and millions of people all around, and it's happening every single day. And it, so I it can't see that it could be anything other than um, real. And um, so I think what we need to do is to get away from looking at our fear and our, our sin and our badness and, and recognize the beauty of our being. We are so much more magnificent than we ever, ever, ever have given ourselves credit for being or that, that you know, it's just amazing. And, and our consciousness can create absolutely mind-boggling things if we want it to be. Incredibly good things or incredible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, 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 I'm thinking, well, we've done, we've done the terrible. <laughs> We're here. We create a hammer that you can use to build a house for humanity, or you can smack someone in the head with it. That, that, that's right. And, and so I think that, that um, if we can understand our beauty and our, our, our spiritual amazing, how amazing we are and how we can create, then I think, and that's what's, that's the bottom line of my book, I think, is to talk about how we are connected, how we are the source, and how we can use that to create here in this existence. And we can create such beautiful things. 
I mean, it's already happening. We create beautiful music and artwork, and 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 we've created societies and and warm fuzzy people, and we can continue that. We can do the more of that. It's up to us. We've learned from many who have had uh, a spiritually transformative experience, like an NDE or an OBE. That yes. it's not an easy thing for them to deal with when they return. Life is not the yes. same. It's not always a, a beautiful rainbow. Yes. What advice would you give to those who have had an STE and they're struggling with it? Yes, that that is very very hard to to um, come back and know that. I, I one time I was giving a talk and a lady came up to me and she said, "I'm just marking time." I don't want to be here, and I'm just waiting until the chance to get back. And that's a shame because she's here for a reason. She's here to do whatever it is, but she's more more than our task, You're more, more than our job that we do. We are here for the source, which is ourselves. And so we're here to give to each other to our source, to to the to the existence. And so that lady will go back, but she's gonna have to come back again because she's not she's not there. She's not doing it because of the love of life. Again, well said. Everyone is on our we're all on our own path, folks. It's based yes. in love. Do yes. what you came yes. here to do. It'll yes. manifest for you. <laughs> Ch- Chaz loves the wonder of you. I told you that. Uh, he thanks you for thank your you. incredible work and the insights thank you. That, you, that it brings. I thank you for everything you have done and continue to do to help us illuminate the ineffable. And I'm sure that I thank you on behalf of all those who are listening to this conversation. Well, thank you very much. That's wonderful. That's what my goal is to get people to understand their reality and how beautiful we really are and the freedom that we have. And I also want to echo the thanks that you give in the wonder of you to those who have offered their NDEs to us via the NDERF.org website and other formats through which they have generously and courageously offered to share them. And thank you to the NDERF.org and Judy and Dr. Jeffrey Long for your work to bring this knowledge to light and for allowing our NDE podcast to be the official source of audio accounts for the NDERF, or as I like to say it, the official podcast of the NDERF. How can people contact you, Lynn, if they want to learn more about your book and your research? I'm on Twitter, and I'm on Facebook, and I'm on LinkedIn, and uh, Instagram. So anybody can contact me in any one of those directions. But I would be so happy to, to hear from you. If they Ready? go to Facebook slash Lynn Russell or Lynn Taylor. Well, there are a bazillion Lynn Russells. <laughs> um, and that's why I use Lynn K. Russell because because um, that that people know me, you know, that sort of separates out some of them. But if you just put Lynn Russell um, near death, you'll get me. And uh, also, if you Google my name, I'm all over the uh, Google, like I'm everywhere. Okay, and if they throw in the words near death or the wonder of you, that should kind of focus it. That's right. That's right. That'll get me there. Or get and I will there. throw links on the show notes on the ND 
epodcast.org uh, website. So people can find your book there. They can click over. They can find your Facebook, your Twitter, et cetera. So folks, get a hold yes. of her. She's a fantastic person. Amazing <laughs> information. Well, thank you very much. And thank you, everyone, for listening in. I'm pleased to share with you. Thank you, Lynn. Well, thank you, John. I've, I've enjoyed this. Namaste. You too. Bye-bye. My sincere appreciation to Lynn for her time and for sharing her knowledge with us. I was fortunate to obtain an advanced copy of The Wonder of You, and I read it twice before speaking with Lynn. It's fascinating. This book is a tremendous resource for those who are beginning to learn about STEs and serves as an excellent supplement to those who already are well-versed on the topic. Links to Lynn's contact information and her book are in the show notes for this episode on the ndepodcast.org website. If you want to have access to all 274 episodes of this podcast, you can do so easily by visiting the ndepodcast.org website. I strongly recommend you subscribe to the show so you can quickly have access to new episodes when they are released. And if you would, please submit a review of the show on iTunes or via whatever way you consume the project. Doing so gives exposure to others about the information we share. If you would like to help support the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash ndepodcast. Anything you do to help us is very much appreciated. Also, you can like us and follow us on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com slash ndepodcast. And you can join our Facebook community there as well. You can contact me by email, john at ndepodcast.org, or chaz by email, chaz at ndepodcast.org. You can also call or text the show, 970-633-2278. That's 970-NDE-CAST. Chaz and I thank each and every one of you who listen and share your knowledge about NDEs and spirituality with those in your life. We completely understand that some don't have an appreciation for the subject matter, but even for those, I believe you are planting seeds and one day they will sprout and others will become aware just like you have. Thank you so much for listening and for letting us know how much you appreciate the show. Be blessed as you continue your spiritual journey, and remember, it's all about attitude and gratitude, and our attitudes should always be love.